Hey everybody, Ben here. Uh, quickly before we start the episode, just want to slap a good old parental guidance um, warning on this episode. This talks a lot about the Holocaust, and we have some really great in-depth discussion about genocide and uh, trauma. So if you are, you know, if you can handle that, great. If not, uh, wait till next next episode. Enjoy the show. Freshest Twilight Zone podcast, where five college students take you through the uh, the cult classic horror anthology show, The Twilight Zone. Uh, tonight we are missing Tabitha. She has a paper to write, so <laughs> she'll be back next week. But uh, I am your host, as always, Ben, joined by my lovely co-hosts, Corey. Connor, Jamie, and Ashley. Yeah. So, how have you guys been? How are your uh, How are your weeks? Want to die. I'm actually here to start the podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is like weird because I'm not used to seeing you guys for like a two week span. Wink, wink. <laughs> We're all friends outside of the podcast. Yeah. We all saw what? minus Jamie. The I best movie dog. of all time. Oh yeah. One of the best movies I've ever seen in my life. Quiet Place as well. I love dog, and then Ashley and I privately went to go see another movie that Quiet I really Place. enjoyed, A Quiet Place, which was spooky. Which was very spooky. It's no I love dog though. It it was scary though. It was I'm very sure. Twilight Zone. There doggo, yes. no. What? Case closed. No doggo, no. No. Was there doggo? No doggo, no. no life. There was a raccoon that got split in half. No, he got smashed. <laughs> he got smashed. Yeah. Um, it's not a doggo. It's like a pimple. Oof. Are <laughs> there any nuns? We also, excluding Probably. Connor, saw or saw Jared. <laughs> we saw Jared. We, we went to Jamie's boyfriend's surprise birthday party Woo. and watched the room and had a big old blast. So that was fun. Does Jared listen? I'm assuming maybe. I think he listens. He tries maybe. to. Yeah. Like well, while he's at work. Jared, if you're if you're hearing us, uh, we a wish you the best and b happy late birthday. Oh, and uh, me and Corey did a thing too. What did you guys do? We uh, do? we both passed testing for uh, the local radio station WIXQ. WIXQ. So now. we are both officially members, and we will soon be DJs on like a three to five a.m. show. Yeah, but hey, if you want to, if you want to listen to WIXQ online, Ashley and I rock a five four to seven every Sunday. <coughs> so, which I may or may not crash again this week. Please. Sounds on. good. I'm playing a really good album. If only that were true. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Mythbusters thing where we're talking we're to each other. Outside. I mean, me and Corey just go on, me and Corey just go and drive outside. sometimes. No. Oh, I'm yeah. so sorry to break this news to you. Oh, what? they're not friends. Yeah. None of them? Not well, even I mean, the two main guys? Those the two main like guys don't. Other, they don't they? They? I don't know See, if they hate I each other. I think they hate each other. No, they... They get along professionally, but that's about the yeah, best man. they can say. Really? My yeah, heart like is they're, broken. Their actual personalities <laughs> okay. on the show don't really mix in real life. Because their actual personalities on the show are like, they're not acting. They're just that way. And they get on each other's nerves IRL. I feel like Mythbusters has been trivialized by internet like uh, like Vsauce here and uh, Rhett and Link. I don't think so. 
Well, I, mean, I think shows over anyway. Yeah, I was gonna say. No, there's a new myth. There's the new Mythbusters. That doesn't count. But I feel like. You have YouTube where, like, the slow-mo guys... Oh, you're see, saying that they got... Well, like, I'm just saying, like, I thought you meant they got memed <coughs> out. And I was no, like, no, no. I just don't think there's any room for Mythbusters. Well, not when, yeah, when they were in their prime, there's sure. YouTube. I don't, I don't think Science YouTube would have happened without the Mythbusters. Yeah. Of course. Oh, yeah. No, I 100% agree. Unlike unlike Mythbusters and Science, this episode is about the Holocaust. <laughs> oh, no. Great oh, transition. No. Oh, we're in history. We're watching... Oh, <laughs> We're watching Death's Head Revisited. Dachau's <laughs> Revisited. Death's Head. Whatever it's actually just Dachau. It. It's Dachau. Dachau. You just have to roll the H. Kind of. uh, this you is a. Oh. oh, God. Oh, that's gross. This is a season Dachau. three episode, which means you can watch it on Netflix, Hulu, Amazon now. You can get the box set DVDs, like, ya boy. Or you can be a dirty, dirty. Pirate. Pirate. Yard. Yard. And, uh, yeah. Watch it online for free, which we don't condone or know about. Rod? Favorite. Welcome to the Rod Squad. Take us in. Mr. Schmidt recently arrived in a small Bavarian village, which lies eight miles northwest of Munich. A picturesque, delightful little spot, one time known for its scenery, but more recently related to other events, having to do with some of the less positive pursuits of man. Human slaughter, torture, misery, and anguish. Mr. Schmidt, as we will soon perceive, has a vested interest in the ruins of a concentration camp. For once, some 17 years ago, his name was Gunter Lutze. He held the rank of a captain in the SS. He was a black uniformed strutting animal whose function in life was to give pain. And like his colleagues of the time, he shared the one affliction most common amongst that breed known as Nazis. He walked the earth without a heart. And now former SS Captain Lutzer will revisit his old haunts, satisfied perhaps that all that is awaiting him in the ruins on the hill is an element of nostalgia. What he does not know, of course, is that a place like Dachau cannot exist only in Bavaria. By its nature, by its very nature, it must be one of the populated areas of the Twilight Zone. We open up this episode with Gunther, Gunther, Gunther. It's Which Gunther. one do you like better? Gunther. I like Gunther. 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 Well, how's it spelled? Gunther is a very cute penguin. In I feel like I'm watching Adventure Time. How's it spelled? G U N T H E R. Oh, it's Gunther then. It should be Gunther. Because Gunther is just T. Gunther Lutz, a former SS captain who checks into a hotel in Dachau, Bavaria. Is Bavaria technically German? Yes. Yeah. I didn't know. I'm a bilingual. Isn't it like, south of? It's like Denver, the southern. Denver? It's like the southeast part of Germany. It's, yeah. like a, it's like a province or something. Can I get an it's like how. Really it's like how New England is part of America. Yeah. It's not just New England. According to Encyclopedia <laughs> Ben, aka Wikipedia, which I could have told you myself. Which you did tell him. The capital <laughs> of Bavaria is, is Munich. Is Munich? Oh, yeah. okay. Can you tell me? Rod says it in the intro, doesn't he? He says a few miles away. from Munich, yeah. Can you tell me what what country it's a part of? Seven. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. Seven. Uh, yes. It's it's part of Germany. Is it? <laughs> yeah, dude, that was the chip. Wait, wait, yo. West or east? We're in the sixties, bro. Oh, I don't know. That was definitely that. the East Germany. Yeah. Because it's um, part of Eastern Germany. Yeah, it, it would be east. 
for Interesting. sure. Interesting. Wasn't that controlled by... That was controlled... The Soviets. The Soviets. Yeah, the, Soviets. Yeah, yeah. the dirty commies. That's probably... Well, no, didn't... The commies hated, uh, hated the Germans. Well, yeah, but they owned the. Country. They owned. Well, no, no. I'm saying it's interesting that he snuck back into the country. That's probably a very dangerous thing to do. Well, there were still Germans in East Germany. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Sure, but it's still. He came know. under the guise of a tourist. Remember, he's a totally. At this yeah. point, he, he's, he's Mr. Using, like, Schmidt. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what I was about to get to. He's, he checks in under the name of Schmidt. The receptionist seems to recognize him, but. He deflects suspicion by claiming to have spent the war on the Western Front. Eastern he doesn't Eastern do, Front. He doesn't do such a good job, but because he, he's so offensive about it, he's just kind of like, uh, I was Wait, in the Eastern Front. Actually, so he's if, a Nazi. Yeah, right. If he's he serves on in the German SS, uh huh, or whatever they call their military, would you call France the Eastern Front? No. No, you no. That was the West. Yeah, that's the West. Because East is never East. Yeah, but that would be France is this way. No, it's, not no it's not. It's west of Germany. It's west of Germany. <laughs> Never eat soggy waffles. Wait, 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 wait. France, France is west of Germany, Germany, bro. Germany? Yes, yes. 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 Uh, France yeah. is and has always France been, been west, west of Germany. Germany. No, I, I, no, stop. You, you do you not really, need to look this up. You need you to include this in the podcast. No, I will. I need to open up a map of Europe. <laughs> <laughs> you really don't know that? No, I'm sure I do. It goes Spain, France, Germany. Yeah. It goes, no, it goes like... Because no, no, no. It goes Spain, yeah. France, no, Germany. France is definitely east of Germany. You are no, incorrect. No, 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 no. Germany is east of France. Germany is east of France. That's yeah. what I meant. France is west of Germany. Oh, oh that like hurt. <laughs> that, that hurt my brain a whole lot more than it should have. What's I that was, mountain range? That the Alps. 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 Yeah, it was okay. just it was just a slip up. I just got my directions. You were so adamant <laughs> yeah, about it. You were so <laughs> no, Connor. Connor, the world is it's Spain, Germany, France. I, They're Portugal, I Spain, listen, France, Germany. Listen, really down here. We are spicy yeah. tonight. <laughs> it was an accident. I was a little confused. <laughs> a little bit. I still think that Oof. I had the right intention. You met no. France. The, that the, is the, incorrect. This recording will not record the right intentions that you had. That France is west of Germany. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hot. But Germany is east of France. Yeah. That is what I meant. You said, okay. Yeah. You, France right. is east France, of Germany. But France can't be the Eastern Front because France is to the west of Germany. Well, then, why did the English, wouldn't the English have called France the Eastern No, because France Front? got no, into no. the war first before England. Because Germany is moving west. Yeah, and Germany's moving west, and England is not attacking France. They're tra- attacking Germany. That's the, the, only, the, only, the only power that had more than one front was the Germans because they were stupid. Yeah, they were in the middle they, of everything. So, the French sure, attacked Russia towards Germany <laughs> in, the in the winter. Listen, it is the no, I no, understand. It, it is the Western Front because there was an Eastern Front. If, right. they, if there wasn't, it would have just been in the, the front. front. So wait, wait, wait. I have one more question. Okay. Mm-hmm. Why do we? Why do we label the front names pertaining to the direction of troop movement for the side that lost? Because it was no, the no, 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 no. Because there wasn't, there wasn't a German, there wasn't an English Western Front and Eastern Front. But and they, Germans they, were uh, the attackers. Can I, All right. can I answer this, please? Yeah, go for it. They call it the Western Front because there's two fronts. Yes. If there was no Russian Front, they would just call it the Front. But there's two, so they had to differentiate. And they can't do the left and the east, right front. Because yeah, exactly. in World War Two, they had the the Pacific Front. And the, the European. Th- no, the, the, the that was referred to as the theaters. Yeah. Yeah. Is that like but a naval 
thing or theaters? No, that was that was the war as a whole. It's just the oh, okay. Like World War Two was basically when when America oh, yeah, got involved. Got it was they were basically fighting two wars at once, but there was with the same people essentially. We got a little bit off track. Yeah, based on my stupidity. Yep. We're back. Exactly based Reeling on reeling it back in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he kind of makes fun of this woman. Uh, he, like he intimidates her. He intimidates her. Like, he's just trying to tell that guy's a Nazi. He forces her to explain what the Nazis did at this town. After this, uh, he hires a taxi driver to drive him up to the concentration camp that he totally didn't serve at, wink, wink. And uh, as he walks around the camp, which is pretty much abandoned, uh, Mm -hmm. he just kind of mutters to himself about all the people he well, tortured. He, 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 like, reflects on it. We yeah. see flashbacks of him torturing people, and mm-hmm. you can tell he's kind of a sadist because he's, he's laughing about it, and he's enjoying, like, this was the highlight of his life, and he's kind of coming back to relive it. Uh, to show his uh, kind of sadist uh, personality, let's play a little bit of that conversation he has with the hotel uh, reader? Receptionist. Was it a prison or something you had here? Something of the sort, sir. Was it a prison? A camp, sir. How's that? A camp, Mr. Schmidt. A concentration camp. After walking around for a while, Lutz is surprised to see one Alfred Becker, one of the camp's former inmates and a particular uh, victim of his... Cruelty. Lutz assumes that Becker is the caretaker of the camp now. That's super messed up. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you take care of a place where you were tortured now? Which uh, which Becker kind of confirms, but in a very ominous way. Yeah, I thought that was weird, the whole caretaker thing. I didn't really, like, understand what he was well, thinking. Well, what do you mean? Like, why do you keep calling him a caretaker? Because, why, like, why a place like that would need someone to take care of the grounds, thus the caretaker. And I guess he, because he saw him hanging around there, he just assumed that maybe, he was... Is that what maybe he did when he was there? No, it was just saying because he was still I mean, there. He was, uh, he was just I a prisoner. I don't want to say he was well-dressed, but he was, like, wearing a vest. He was wearing, he was wearing like, the prisoner. He was wearing he his striped pajamas. Well, yeah, that too. But under it, he had, like, a... He looks fairly docile the way a custodian Mm -hmm. would. Becker and Lutz continue their conversation uh, with them talking about what occurred at this camp a uh, mere 17 years ago. Yeah, that's what he said. And uh, I want this, I want to play a little bit of this conversation out because uh, Becker kind of comes at Lutz with some accusation and Lutz is, uh, Lutz Lutz brushes them off in a pretty disgusting fashion. Mm Listen to me, Becker. There's no more war. That's all in the past. There are no more camps. It's ridiculous. It's utterly ridiculous to dwell on these things. You did as you thought best, and I... I functioned as I was told. Lutz tries to run away, uh, kind of overwhelmed by actually having to answer for his crimes, but finds the gates locked in a kind of cool, creepy, uh... something that you wouldn't imagine from the Twilight Zone. For sure. Becker informs Lutz that he is going to be on trial for his crimes against humanity, pointed out via Ashley. And uh, when he tries to sprint away, he runs towards the camera and then kind of gets spit out into the the bunkhouse where all the prisoners were kept. 
Yeah. What did we think about that shot? I thought that it was, was really cool. Really Those cool for the time. Yeah, I really like the jump shots. So essentially, when he finds himself in this room, we get this eerie shot of all of the prisoners kind of lining up, just staring at him, and he's saying nothing, and the camera kind of pans through each one. It's like dead silent, too. Yeah, it is. It is. The music has stopped. There's nothing. It's just... And then um, we see Becker at the front kind of saying, all right, like, we're going to begin this trial. And so he kind of unrolls this long paper and he starts listing all of these crimes, uh, crimes against humanity that um, Lutz has done. And as he's doing it, Lutz is becoming more and more agitated and like freaking out to the point that he um, actually passes out. Um, Then we see, I think it's like a fade in back to it. And when he wakes up, no one's in the room anymore. And he he goes to the window and he starts to, he breaks off of the like, um, cardboard pieces that are kind of keeping it uh, shut and Becker reappears pretty much just saying like the trial has been done and um, that he he's found guilty and let's kind of and him have an argument about like how can you judge me blah 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 and um, this is when he recalls that he actually had killed Becker Becker has this really clever line where he says something along the lines of like once he finds out, he's like, yeah, so what good would it be to try to kill me again? To which Lutz kind of completely disregards and goes to strangle him, and that's when we get, uh, once again, a really nice shot of him, uh, Becker, changing from the, like, pole outside that would have been where the noose was. And And, uh, Becker then proceeds to basically tell Lutz that his punishment is to feel the overwhelming agony and pain pain that that he put the Jews through during his time as the S, the leader of the concentration camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a really good monologue that Becker has as, uh, as Lutz kind of goes through it that I want to play right now. Ten million human beings were tortured to death in camps like this. Men, women, children, infants, tired old men. You burned them in furnaces. You shoveled them into the earth. You tore up their bodies in rage. And now you come back to your scenes of horror and you wonder that the misery that you planted has lived after you. Then we come back. Lutz is on the ground, kind of unconscious, a little crazy. And (laughs) you find out that he's being taken to a mental, mental institution he's just so crazy crazy and overwhelmed with agony. He won't stop screaming. Our final jump cut before Rod takes us out. The doctor says this before uh, Rod takes us out. There is an answer to the doctor's question. All the Dachau's must remain standing. The Dachau's, the Belsons, the Buchenwalds, the Auschwitzes. All of them. They must remain standing because they are a monument to a moment in time when some men decided to turn the earth into a graveyard. Into it, they shoveled all of their reason, their logic, their knowledge, but worst of all, their conscience. And the moment we forget this, the moment we cease to be haunted by its remembrance, then we become the grave diggers. Something to dwell on and to remember. Not only in the twilight zone, but wherever men walk, God's earth. Now we're going to general thoughts, your thoughts, but generalized, 
And before we like to get to the feel goody, happy stuff, we have it, to hit the heavy hitting themes. Is there anything feel goody happy about this? No. A justice is no. served. I don't know about that. Uh, but <laughs> let's start with theme number one. And of course, if you guys have anything, topics you want to talk about, feel free to jump in. But I have four. Number one, Nazis, question mark. True sociopaths or victims of a brainwashed society. Rod, I think, in this episode is painting him as a true sociopath. And right. I think there's a difference between being a German person that was kind of trapped in the war as we see the hostess of the inn being kind of forced into the situation compared to being a captain of the SS. I think it takes a lot more to become an SS captain. And I think there's a level of... Um, like losing your humanity? Yeah, and not really... Because, like, there were people in the German army that, you know, didn't have a choice and had to fight right. and had nothing to do with the Holocaust. But right. then you have people like Lutz that are actively... Participating, participating. in said, I'm sorry, I keep, like, no, cutting you off. And he, he even... To the point now that he even goes back to it, to relive well, yes. those memories. Clearly he is a, a very damaged individual, but I I don't know, I personally think that complacency is just as bad as actually pulling the trigger. I think I, it's bad, but in a different respect. I think, uh, yeah, if you're just like a soldier in the German army, I think you were just kind of... I don't want to say brainwashed, because they were like... I think in their head they were like, we're fighting for the fatherland, you right. know, whatever, but if you're like an SS captain, then you're just... Uh, well, the German, the German army members, I think, like, were just out there actually, like you said, fighting for the fatherland. Well, they, meant, were, they were drafted, too, right. so it's not like they chose to be yeah, in the war, yeah, they were yeah. put in the war. I meant yeah. more like citizens who saw Jews get rounded up and put in the ghettos and then train card out of there. Well, I mean, they were ruled by fear at that point. Yeah. Like, like it, it's like you see that happen, and it wasn't... It wasn't just the Jews; it was a lot of other right. groups yeah. too. Polish, and so, the gays, and so if community. if you speak out miserable. against that, if you try to speak out against that, you're next, and people. I'll just kill you. And I, I don't think that there, there, there certainly was some complacency, but I think a lot of people were also ruled by fear. Yeah, of course. That you would be the next person to be made an example of. And you, you do have to acknowledge there were people in Germany that were doing things. Well, you yeah, look at the people that protected and Frank, you look at Schindler, who yeah. saved over how many. We had someone yeah. at the Holocaust convention the other day, well, not him, but we had the film because he's unfortunately passed away, who saved, I think, over 300,000? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean like, how many attempts were there on Hitler's life? Exactly. So it's not like there was full complacency. Right, but... I mean, what, do you exclude, like, living in, like, a society that's for that? Or do you think you can allow someone to say, I had nothing to do with that, that wasn't me, even though I let it happen? I I mean, what is, like, just a normal person, just, like, on the street gonna do? You know what I mean? And, like, and, and there were people that banded together and did what they could. Right, yeah. You had the whole underground movement yeah. that was trying to yeah. destroy Hitler. Yeah, I mean, like, there's no reason, like, if you hate all German people, even back then, because of that, that's just stupid. Well, a lot of Jews felt that way, coming out of the Holocaust. And and that's fine, but, like, and and I get it, but, like, if, like, someone looking at it from an outside perspective. Well, yeah. How many of those had the roles reversed and have been, hey, say, like, a different group of people 
do you think all of the Jews would done, have done as many, like the same thing? I'm sure a few would. But that's the that same amount. There's a few of any groups that would be. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'm so I, 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 on this conversation. I was just offering a point of, of topic. I'm just I'm answering your point of topic. Yeah, I hear. I think it's a horrible situation, and I think we often forget that a lot of people like Connor mentioned were scared like you know these people had families and they had children and like if they're not just worried about themselves they're worried about their children they don't want that to happen to them and it's it's such a complex issue I think because like it's I mean you look at like the whole you can compare this to like the slavery in America how many people were complacent during that you know it's any, like any you can fill this in with any genocide yeah. or extinction. And it, it's it's one thing for us to be like, yes, we would do something, but it's another thing to actually, actually do be something. in the and to actually be in the situation. Yeah, it's weird, like comparing <clears throat> your life, like in a political sense, when like you kind of have nothing to do with those politics. Yeah, I guess like um, like. I don't know, just, like, what's going on today in, like, our country, and it's weird to think of how, like, I don't have, like, a role in, like, direct politics, but, like, so much of, like, our lives could potentially be affected because, like, we might be in the midst of, like, a constitutional crisis, and it's just weird to think how that's going to affect, like, my future and you know, my, like, future family and stuff, I guess. Well, a lot of people, a lot of people, and we at the Ron Squad will remain neutral on this issue, but a lot of people (coughs) think that just voting for Trump, like, makes you a part of whatever he does, which, again, we're neutral on that (coughs) point. But, like, do you think that the people who voted the Nazi party should be held responsible for what Hitler did because they gave him the power? You have to remember. Well, you have to remember too. Well, he also used secret police. Well, yeah, he had that, (laughs) and he also his campaign originally was not let's kill all these people. He he had the same campaign that FDR had. He was his campaign was just socialism. Yeah, it was socialism to help the people, and then once he got into that power and he gave people the taste of hope, because you have to remember these people are in millions and millions of dollars of debt, and their inflation inflation is ridiculous. However, there were kids. Building, you know, yes. little forts like out of money. money. Yeah. yeah. However bad the U.S. was during the early stages of the Great Depression, Germany well, was, they were ten times so, worse. So much worse. <laughs> it's when you get to the point that he has, he, then people are like, "Wow, he's really helping us. Let's make him um, mm-hmm. dictator of our country." Mm-hmm. And they don't. Re- and then once he has all the power, it's too late to stop him. Right. Yeah. No, I totally agree. Interestingly enough, we brought up how he ran the same campaign as FDR in both created internment camps for prisoners mm-hmm. yes. over their uh, over the course of their presidency. And, 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 and had scapegoats for yep. mm-hmm. Moving on to point two, if that's cool with everybody, unless someone else had anything to add. But then I no, that was two add. thumbs up. Okay. Criticizing personal media, how to critique art about trauma. What do you mean by that? Well I I we're gonna talk about this more in ratings, but I did not love this episode. But I was interested to feel, do you guys think, like, Ashley and I watched a film called Strong Island a few months ago, which was a very deep and personal film about I cried uh, through all of it. His, his brother's murder and how the cops didn't do anything because he was black. 
but like if if a film or an art piece or a television show about death on a wide scale or a very personal death or a very personal injustice is not good, is it fair to critique that or do you need to have do you need to err on the side of caution to save feelings? I, I think you need to be respectful regardless of the situation because you know whether it be uh, Strong Island's brother, the guy from Strong Island, his brother, or the six million Jews, people died, and they yeah. died very unjustly, and I think you need to have a level of respect when critiquing it. Not saying that you have to necessarily love the media, but I think... Well, you, if, if you have a problem with that movie that you just mentioned, yeah, like, your problem wouldn't be with, like, the real-life story. Yeah. It would be yeah. with the film, yeah. so I, I don't think that's really... And I hate, like... But people do get upset about this. And that's fine, but... <laughs> that's like that's like a lot of the films that are about, like, the Afghanistan tours that are yeah. not very good, or... <laughs> I mean, if that's what happened, that's what happened. Like, yeah. I mean, you know... <laughs> well, have you guys seen the film Precious? came out a few... I don't know, know. remember. Ago. It's yeah. about... It was about an African-American woman who was very overweight, and I'm, I'm really generalizing here. You should go see the movie yourself, but she was... She goes through a lot of trauma. She was raped. And I, I think it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen, but it's very hard to talk about that in a respectful manner because this is about this real-life woman. Well, I think when you talk about it, you need to talk about it more about, instead of, like, I didn't like it because... Well, I, it, Like, more the technical aspect. I just, I just think, I, th I think that, in reality, you do have to err on the side of caution while criticizing. Well, like, if they're getting offended and if you're making points that are just technical points, then, like... It's just, it's just yeah. hard because some people, I think, no, take yeah. it, it, it means, yeah. Is that criticism is, yeah. like, constructive? Yeah, and it's fair, and it's not just being like, oh, this was horrible. Because, I mean, like, at the oh, heart of it, art's me. about, like, communicating, and you want to communicate something as effectively as possible. Well, I mean, Connor and Jamie, you guys are kind of our resident artists, with Connor making music and Jamie making visual art. So when you guys, like, pour something into a performance or a piece... And someone kind of, I don't know if this has ever happened, we're just assuming, but someone kind of throws it through the ringer. Like, how do you guys deal with that on a... Are, are we not? Are we talking about the creator, or if, if it's, like, the Holocaust, and if someone that, like, Well, I'm saying if something. it's something very personal that means a lot to them, and, you know, it could come from a, it could come from a place of, like, a really deep and, you know, uncomfortable meaning or something like that, and someone really just kind of trashes up on it, how do you guys respond? How do you guys deal with that? I mean, uh... This is not. I've never had to deal with that personally, but I I attended um, I attended the Intercollegiate Band Festival for Pennsylvania, and we were uh, our guest director, Dr. Mark Camphouse, was a was we played a piece by his called "A Movement for Rosa," based on the life and the the life and the themes of the of Rosa Parks and the Civil Rights Movement, right. and. He actually, there, by a bunch of circumstances, he ended up. He there ended up being a concert where an ensemble played that piece, and he was sitting in the audience next to Rosa Parks, and he and he told us his whole story. He's a he's a wonderful man, and he told us the whole story about how he wasn't sure if she was gonna like it because this piece was about her and he was he was really self-conscious about it at the time because she had never heard the piece before and the creator of the piece him 
Mr. Camphouse was sitting next to Rosa Parks when this happened, so so any reaction was going to be was going to be from her. And I mean, she the the piece brought tears to her eyes. Apparently, like it all it all ended really well, but from somebody who was coming from somebody who was a creator and had to and had to be there for the first reaction to something as the creator from somebody who has experienced this you have to be you you have to be super self-conscious about how you did it and being respectful to everything and I mean it's a little bit different with it's a little bit different with uh, like visual media visual television media where it's less it's less abstract of a representation but I feel like you if if something is objectively bad then uh, I think it's fair to criticize it because if you do something bad from if you create bad media that's supposed to represent something that's supposed to represent something like traumatic such as such as the Holocaust for this particular example. I think that's I think it's open to criticism because you want to put out the best thing possible and if you don't make it good then I'm saying a lot of words here. No, I get what you mean, like mm-hmm. quality first over like, you know, really I mean pour your heart out to it, but it should be, you know, you should put your quality first over just Kind of realize you're representing something bigger than yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's that that I think that's the point that he made. Was basically yeah what Ashley yes. said. <laughs> All right. Yes. And like, and it's not fair to just be like, oh, this was about the Holocaust, so you can't say anything bad about it. And yeah, that's, no, that's not that's not true. And that's and that's a thing that happens these days. Mm-hmm. Where yeah, definitely. if where certain where certain media that's that's been created by groups or towards certain things, people feel like it should be close to criticism because what it's about. But if it's not, if it's not good, then it's not good. Mm. And the people, and the people who it's supposed to be representing the events that it's supposed to be representing, it doesn't pay respects to that. And right. we shouldn't act like it does. I think that's a valid point. Yeah. All right. Are we good to move to point three, or did anyone have any final comments? Sure. Did you have a final comment? No, no, I was saying sure. Let's move on. We're over two with that. So, as we heard in our Splicey Splicey, why do we keep, the the big ending thing was, why do we keep Dachau standing? And I wanted to ask, why do we keep it standing? From a perspective of now versus then. So it never happens again. I I took a course, well, I didn't take a course, but I (coughs) had an English class, and we spent a unit on the Holocaust, and we ended up talking about Auschwitz and why that's still standing. And right. That's essentially, right. essentially, my teacher asked the exact same question. You know, like this is a place where thousands of atrocities, like billions upon millions of atrocities, have happened. Like, why is it still there? And she brought up the point that it kind of serves as a reminder. 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 <laughs> it serves as a reminder that this happened and it was real and that people suffered and to keep in mind like to not do that again in a way because you know you can have history books that convolute the truth but you can't convolute 
like evidence. structures and yeah. yeah. So I, th I think now is the easier part of the question because I think it's obviously the to remember what happened or slash use as a learning objective. But why didn't they just break it down back then? Why didn't they just was it shame? Was it? I don't know. I, yeah, I, I don't know either. It's I like think it's kind of disrespectful. Yeah, I think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a burial site. I yeah. mean, people yeah. were died there, and I mean, in the episode, it even says like, "You buried us in the ground here. You just didn't bury us deep enough, and that's why they're coming back as ghosts." But like, people are there's bodies, and I mean, you go to Auschwitz, and there's all that ash. Yeah. There's mass graves there that people haven't dug up yet that are all over the place. You can't just tear down something and pretend that it's not there anymore because for people it is a graveyard. Right. I just think for the locals though, a lot of these Jews died in a foreign land. They were shipped all over uh, I guess that'd be West Europe in, a, in the, you know, in the Nazi now. Empire. Mm -hmm. I, I got my directions right this time. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, Connor, one sec. I promise I'll get to you, buddy. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but I just feel like the locals, it would be such a, it's such a, just an obelisk of pain that I don't understand why they wouldn't just chop it down. You I don't know if they, had, I don't know if they like owed, oh, I mean this is going to sound bad, but I don't know if they felt they owed them anything because they didn't, they didn't know that. the government's decision and not That's theirs. true as well. I think, what, what Ashley just said, it was the government's decision, but not the German government, the allied governments. Yeah. yeah. Because when... When they kept liberating these concentration camps, I think, if I if I remember correctly, what I read over the years, it's that it became apparent very very quickly to the especially the Americans who liberated the camps that this that these were the sites of crimes against humanity that have never been seen in modern history. Oh yeah. And so, well, I I think it became very very apparent. Modern. Very apparent, very early on, very to the forefront of the of the people's minds that were over there. That hey, we need to we need to we need people to know that this happened. We need we can't just sweep it under the rug. And I think that the decision to keep those buildings up for even at the time when they did was a conscious decision to go along with that. I want to put a little asterisk in there. I don't know if I necessarily agree with your like. I mean, obviously, it's never it's never been this well documented, the the crimes against humanity. But I, I, I mean, I think comparing genocides as a whole is probably not the best way to yeah, go about no, it. Yeah, no, yeah, no, you're 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 exactly right. But I think what I mean, I just when I think about kind of crimes against humanity on a mass scale, I think the colonization of Africa. By in the rubber industry, well, the is slave another, trade, the Atlantic right? Slave the Atlantic trade. slave trade as a whole, but basically anything we did in Africa from the 1600s to the we ruined that all those economies. I mean, their pictures, their picture. One of the most startling pictures of all time is when the guy didn't produce enough rubber one day, so they cut off his daughter's foot and brought it to him and just left it there, and it's just him looking at it, and it's like horrifying. Oh yeah, you're 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 definitely right. But I think I know that at towards the end of the Nazi regime, they were trying to cover up the fact that these concentration camps existed, that all that everything that took place there did in fact take place. I mean, it still happens today. Like right. we have politicians who, you know, are running like even in our country who are like, oh well, the Holocaust didn't happen. Well, at this point, 
the mo- the. I feel like a lot of people are just like, "You're an idiot. What are you talking about?" Or a lot. Well, we have a whole KKK movement here, though. Yeah, but that that's that's like. Don't even get me started on that. That's that's still not even. I mean, it's a problem, but it's still probably not. It's not even one percent of the population. Uh, mm, I think it's a little more. It's more than that. Yeah, it's definitely more three million. I, I I don't think it's that much. I, I think it's more than one percent. I mean, no, it's definitely. I'm not saying it's not a problem, but it, 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 no, there's yeah, not wait, three wait, million wait. Claim No, I don't think there's well, not three million claim I don't know. I it's a minority, but it's a it. vocal minority. Yeah, it's a yeah. vocal and, and they're a violent minority too. And they're very yeah. violent. So you're gonna obviously recognize them more than other minorities. Yeah. But, okay. Uh, you need to respect the dead. I mean, I I really believe that. So I don't think those graves should ever be touched. Right. Like, and it's you, like well, I 100% agree. They, they will never be just, touched. No. Just let them... Let Unless, them like, them. humanity dies out and aliens Also, come, uh, just... Are we keeping in the discussion about the West and East thing? Really? Yes, because... Look, okay, I just looked up... Uh, Dachau would be in West Germany. I just... Oh, you looked it up? Okay. okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but going back to recent genocides, I mean, Darfur back in 2005 and the early 2000s, that was a... That was a, a ethnic cleansing that happened there. Um, there are other nations in Africa that are going through ethnic cleansings right now that you don't hear about. Palestine and Israel are having huge issues, and God knows where that's going to lead. But a lot of people are dying. It's nuts. It's crazy, and like it's a part of society which is awful. But there, I, I, yeah. It's the us versus them mentality. Yeah, it's just on a wide, wide level. Yeah. Oh yeah. Moving on to point number four. Uh, this one's a little, a little less depressing. <laughs> Diaries and private written accounts of life during the Holocaust. Namely, I was thinking Anne Frank's diary. Is it okay to publicly put those out for learning the way that they did? Because obviously they couldn't have Anne Frank's consent as she had passed. But that's a very personal novel about sexuality and growing well, up. Well, that's not included. A lot of well, I just think the problem with it is a lot of it's censored. So you're 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 using her her words and her work, and you're not letting her use all of it. Like her father, there's a lot of scenes. Am I allowed to say? Just say it. Okay. And see what happens. Um, there's a lot of scenes that she talks about masturbation, and um, it, her father didn't include that. So the, the story that we read in high, like I read in uh, middle school and stuff. Is not the true complete well, story. I have the unabridged version. She just goes on about boys all the time. And well, she was a young that's girl. Normal. She's yeah. a young girl, and I think that's what makes it more interesting is just how how human and you mm-hmm. know totally. It's not all about the Holocaust, which is. Sorry to bridge on that. No, you're. Fine. Um, the Amos Her House. Now, this is obviously not a huge <laughs> historical event, but <laughs> they have the diaries of two of the people that had lived there, one of them being uh, through the Great Depression as well as right. both of the World Wars. Um, and they let the public read those blatantly. They do not yeah. censor them or anything. And I think there's a lot more you can learn from an uncensored version. Cause then, about society. Yeah, about society as well as, you know, like, you have to, like, she's human. Like, yeah. you can't have a censored version of a book where she's just kind of talking about one thing and not the rest of her being, especially if you're not having her consent on it. Going back to that, like, um, I, I've taken history courses before. Ashley's a history major. Minor. Minor. Uh, and an archaeologist. Corey, Corey's a government major, so he has plenty to do with this as well, I'm sure. 
I'm sure you two have taken gen eds that deal with that in high school or in university. But primary sources are a great deal of wealth, but is it invading well, somebody's well, life mm, if they made it if they did not make it? You public? have to be careful with primary sources though, because they can be extremely biased. Of course. Mm-hmm. But is that also part of the learning, like to to gauge you have to what be somebody aw- thought? Well, you have to be aware of it though, because well, like yeah. I'm currently reading a book. I'm not going to go into what it's about because it has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But they open the story saying like we our research was conducted using primary resources, but we kept in mind this, this, and this because mm-hmm. if not, like your idea of what it would have been like at the time would be very convoluted course, into yeah. the idea of the author. So. But I mean, with with using these sources like diaries, or you know letters of correspondence that have been sent back and forth, not even during the Holocaust, but during all of time, is that a breach of consent and a breach of privacy, or is should that be used freely for historical learning purposes? As an archaeologist, yeah, this I is think, like your whole shtick. Um, that's why I'm really sorry if I seem like I'm talking a lot, but this mm-hmm. is like actually my major. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think, I mean, I have mixed emotions about it, but, like, I think if we don't use it for historical purposes, we're not going to learn anything, and there's going to be a part of the history that we do not know. I mean, like, yes, it's a breach of consent, but mm-hmm. also this person is dead. Right. So it's not, so not like they're going to care much. Well, it's not, like, the only person you're going to offend is a possibly their family, but usually you would get their consent, the right. family's consent, before yeah. you do anything. Like, And that's how archaeologists often find dig sites and find things, is they use letters and correspondences and documents in order to explain something. So it's I think it's a very complicated yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. Did, have, have any of you guys ever read Anne Frank's diary? Mm-hmm. I have. I struggle reading it just because I feel it feels weird to me. It feels like I'm in somebody's. I I yeah. read it after I read all the her house books. So well, like, did you have to read it for high school though? Uh, we had to read the play, okay. and then I read the book. I I only read I I read a few a few. The play is yeah. terrible. <laughs> really? It's just not good. The original or like a re retelling thing. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and I guess the final fifth thing I want to pose before we get to the more happy stuff. If you guys ever had the chance, would you go visit Auschwitz? Oh my god, totally. I would yeah. too. Pro- I don't, probably, but I don't know how well I would do with it. I don't think I would do well with it either. I don't think any of us would. I think no. it's hard stuff. I mean, yeah, but that's you don't, part of... You don't go right. there to do well no, with yeah. it. Yeah. If you do well at Auschwitz, that's a there's problem. an issue. But like, I just, I don't know if I can emotionally handle it is what I'm saying. Right. Right. I, it's hard for me to watch Holocaust documentaries. I sobbed in high school, and I don't cry in classes. She, she cried in... Yeah, you okay, cry, no, you but I don't, I don't cry in classes. I don't cry in classes. That is, like, my one rule. I will never cry in classes. Well, yeah, but, like, you cry in Isle of Dogs. Yeah, but it's because I'm with yeah. your friends, yeah, and I, I my friends, and I, I trust yeah. you. I've never, had a, I've never had a super close relation to, like, my religion and faith. And I don't know, I feel like I owe it to myself and to my all the people that I lost in the Holocaust. Because I lost a lot of people in the Holocaust. Wait, wait, did you not want me to say that you cried in Isle of Dogs? Me? Oh, I don't care. Okay, I'm sorry. I just feel like I owe it to myself and my family to visit and, like, really feel feel it out. Plus, I want to go to Germany and just travel, you know. Germany's yeah. really It's, it's gorgeous out there. Europe's gorgeous. Yeah, travel. I want to travel as much as I can. Me too. I'm sick of Pennsylvania. Yeah. <laughs> Are we all? Okay. So that concludes our more theme discussions. Did anyone have any other themes that they wanted to pose? Um, 
justice. Is this really a form mm. of justice? I don't know. Can we? I mean, it depends on what you call justice. Revenge. Well, I would say it's revenge. Not justice, but I, th- I would say this example is revenge. So would this? Can you can you truly get back what you lost with revenge? Well, the, no, no. The justice. The justice would be the justice for him getting away with for all these years uh, crimes of against humanity. That would be the justice. The justice mm-hmm. of him going insane and never to enjoy the pleasures of his sadistic nature and to have to feel the suffering of all those people. But killing him and making him feel that isn't going to bring him back. They're not killing him. They're they're making him feel incredible amounts of pain. Well, when, like, when anybody goes to trial for court or anything, they can't ever bring anything back. Like, right. I can break your window and go to jail for it. Well, not go to jail, but go to court for it. But that won't bring your window back. But I wonder if, if a part of healing... I think the healing process of, of trauma, does, does revenge make that speedier or better? Or does revenge... <laughs> deep in the wound. I I think it depends what it is. So I think if it's, you know, this was such an atrocity, but if it's like I'm getting revenge because, like, someone cheated on me, right. mm-hmm. it's going to deepen the wound. But, you know, you killed how many people with your own hands, too, even remarked with Lutz. I think that's a totally different aspect of revenge, and I would say more of, like, a justice yeah, aspect. There's, like, a difference between pettiness and laziness. <laughs> yeah. Well, we all... Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, um, I was just thinking about, like, um, like, the Trayvon Martin case. Like, right. that guy shouldn't be, like, free right now. I mean, yeah, Trayvon Martin shouldn't be oh, dead. Oh, yeah, sorry, wrong well, <laughs> <laughs> That too. That guy probably should be dead. I mean, <laughs> but, you know, it's just, like, nothing's gained from letting him walk free. Right. And it, it's hurting the family and everybody who's been affected by police brutality even more to see this guy just be like a butt about it right i think i think this is a special case because it's very open and shut the way that the fallout of the trail martin case should have been um but like you know comparing this to a not open and shut case we i don't know if you did jamie but we all saw a film called Three Ebbings or Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri, and towards the end of that film, she goes to murder someone she thinks may have been involved in her daughter's rape. But I don't think that's. But I th- she's doing it to get revenge and trying to yeah, fill the it's, loss. But it's not complete. It's not justice because it's not the actual person. But she's in her just eyes, killing. it's close enough. I don't think she's ever gonna feel that hole, though. No, I don't think no, that's no, gonna no, feel. No, like I think never. I think that's the point that we're all trying to get at is that there's a big difference between between just vigilante justice with someone that you 100% know walked away of a crime and someone you someone you don't know if they Well then I think that that supports the argument that this is vigilante justice then. I don't I, you ca- I don't think you can put like this is justice justice is subjective. Well this is also this supernatural is so Oh well, yeah, but that that murky is murky is the water a bit as well. Okay. It's, it's Mercs. Yes. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's also different than, like, any other real case of justice with this episode, because, like, it's not like, it's not like you're trying to get revenge on somebody and it won't bring back your loved one. No, it's right. like, these people who he actually personally tortured and killed 
are the ones that are getting the revenge. And I don't think that they're necessarily trying to get anything back. I think they're just trying to give him what they feel he deserves, regardless of whatever happened to them. Well, do you think Nazi hunters are... are sort of like I'm sure there's not a ton left because a lot of a lot of the remaining Nazis have died or are well they're dying. beyond the point well the first original point of Nazi hunters were to take them to court but the the ones that just killed the Nazis are they are they bringers of justice I mean because they know they were Nazis and they know they had a hand in the death of six million people plus if you count the other groups it's a good question I don't know do you mean like just any person that was German during that time? No, 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 specifically Nazis. Nazis. Do you mean like SS or like a soldier in the army? No, SS. It's usually SS who they kill. Yeah, that's funny. We're going to throw it over to friend, partner in crime, my special lover, Mm. and wrestling god, Mm. Corey, for our (laughs) W. W-E. <laughs> Moment of the week. Corey, I'm sure this one wasn't exactly easy for you. Especially because I gave you two Nazi episodes back to back. Yeah, you're, you're, you're killing me here. Uh, I'm not going to do Baron Corbin again, even though it would fit. But, and I'm not doing anything Nazis either. So, I think I've done this before, but I'm going to do it again. Uh, <laughs> the Big Boss Man... <laughs> Which I've mentioned several times was a co- a police character. Maybe you have. He, oh, you definitely yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I'm the night calling black. I'm the night calling black. And he makes his triumphant return. Well, okay, yeah. Uh, he feuded with a former prisoner called Nails. <laughs> this is the exact example it fits. you And that prisoner he abused in jail, and Nails came back for revenge. So. Uh, and that happened at some uh, the Survivor Series, 1992. Wow, so, none of us were... Oh, wait. No, I was none of us were alive when that happened. So, we're watching Survivor Series 1992 again. We we actually just watched Survivor Series 1992. Oh, that's so yeah. cute. Well, no, I normally, like, that was the episode we watched. Yeah. We watched oh, oh, oh. So, uh, yeah, we, uh, throw it back to Big Boss Men and Nails. Two interesting guys both terrible around they had a nightstick on a pole match oh big boss man won in like seven minutes that's a not a lot of minutes that's a lot of minutes when you were watching (laughs) 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 last week connor perfectly guessed what this list would be which earned him the moment of the week connor unlike Corey's wwe moment this one probably came a bit easy to you What's it going to be? I'm going to say, like, everything that happened in this episode. <laughs> the whole Big emotional oof. Yeah, and then, like, Nazis aren't okay, y'all. And that was the oof moment of the week. Let's talk about um, everything we enjoyed or disliked about this episode in terms of, you know, acting, plot, quality. Uh... My man's Becker was a phenomenal actor. <laughs> I can't get over how good, so good he was. So good. He is actually an Oscar winner, but I'll go into that more. He is? Yep. Wow. Best supporting actor, but I'll go into that more during Bars and Trivia. Yeah, I thought the acting in this episode was one of the highlights for me in an episode that I'll talk about why I didn't like a little later, but I thought the acting was probably the strongest point. 
And of course, you know what I'm going to say next? Oh, the cinematography. I really love the, the cinematography. cinematography. The shots were so cool, especially mm-hmm. the, the transition cuts, shots. Yeah, yeah. That is something you would never have expected from a 1960s like television show. Mm-hmm. I That's something that you would see in the 2000s or the 2010s in horror media. It's just very, very before its time. Haha, uh, yes. I think I think the makeup was a little lacking. Oh, I disagree. Makeup. Because you could tell that what they did was to make them look like ghosts. They took. I'm gonna take my glasses off to show you guys. Okay. They just took. <laughs> I don't know. The Not the moment of the podcast. Woo! <laughs> they took just black paint and went around their eyes. And I think that's a very comedic way to show these people suffering. You easily well, could have done the bags. He kind of looks like the hobo from Five Characters in Search of an Exit, with the bags under their eyes. No, there was no bags. It was just the black circles. Do you know who else puts black circles around their eyes? Raccoons. Batman. I thought you were going to say a wrestler. Yeah, dude, when he's wearing his mask. Oh, yeah, because it's like blacked out. He has like black orange. (laughs) Just imagine him like put the mask on and paint around. (laughs) Are you saying Batman is bad at makeup? (laughs) (laughs) Batman's not a beauty guru. Don't you dare talk bad about Batman. I think the the wide angle shot... Though, as you first see, oh, the I think Walker, it was terrifying. One of the most haunting Twilight Zone shots. I mean, I have, I have the knowledge that you all lack, which is I've Oof. seen every single episode. Yeah, I thought, I thought <laughs> that's definitely one of the scariest shots in Twilight Zone history. No, I agree with you. I think the shot was really nice. I just think when they do the zoom up, the one guy you can see just pure black, and it, it makes it a little comedic. Did you guys think this episode was preachy slash a little too? Cartoony. You can't do anything no. not preachy about the Holocaust in the 1960s. Yeah, because it was like only 17 years yeah. after. I'm, 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 I'm going to fight with you about your like cheesiness thing. It's so I don't, cheesy. I don't the Twilight Zone is cheesy. Yeah, but <laughs> what do you want? Not when you're tackling something like the Holocaust, not, oh, my stomach. That. Oh, no, my neck. He didn't. He did that was say a whole that, scene where He was gagging. There's a whole scene where he's miming out what happened to the Jewish people. Because he's a mean dude. Because he's, he's suffering, he's but he's not going, oh, my stomach. He's he's Oof. in pain. and how? Like You have to think, in the 60s of the time, how are they going to showcase something like that? They're not going to have... They'd the, write a different script. So what would you have rather happen to him? Not that. I just think it's such I a cartoony... A little, it's such a cartoony ending, too. A little... Too. And I thought a lot of the dialogue was just very, very kind of schlocky. And I very strongly campy. disagree with you. Not on that. as monologues, but I think a lot of it was schlocky. I strongly disagree. Uh, any any music was good. Yeah, the music was really good. I don't know if it was stock or I didn't I didn't Probably read stock. that anywhere, so I'm imagining it was stock. Set looked great. I have some info about the set. Was it on? Was it on? So no. Okay. Just thought it was a. It was a solid episode. You guys liked it a lot more than me. Moving on to what ripped this off. Oh. I'm avoiding the easy joke here. Oof. Because I made a bad one earlier. Yes. The Holocaust. Thank you. (laughs) But, uh, I don't know. What, did you, is it fair to even say anything could have ripped this off? But, no. You can't rip off of a historical event. No. They don't, they don't own the Holocaust. But not not from the actual Holocaust, but the but we can go from the angle of the angle of Ghost uh, Revenge. Yeah, yeah Ghost, Ghost Revenge. revenge. Um, There's a, 
Ghost Wait, Story Ghost Ship, was it? Or yeah. what's the movie where they go to the ship and... Ghost, Ghost Ship. The Ghost one that ship. we watched with your mom? Yeah, terrible yeah, movie. I'm kidding. Okay movie. Fun for the time it came out. You're a music elitist, or a movie elitist, and I hope you burn Still a movie. Movie hell? No, movie poop purgatory, because I, <laughs> I still love you. There's a book that I read um, a long time ago, Ghost Towns. It's about Western ghost Ooh. towns. But this ghost ends up getting revenge on this killer or something like that along the lines. I really think if we're it's generalizing it like that, any ghost story along those lines. Mm, yeah. well, not a lot of ghosts get revenge, though. I've, of, I've read many ghost stories in my, my time. A lot of... There's a really great episode that Ash and I watched called... Um, well, anyway, the guy, you know, he kills a guy, and then it's the classic, well, I dare you to go out there and throw a knife on his grave to show that you have... Oh, that episode! So really, I think any, <laughs> kind of, any kind of cheesy, cheeky kind of ghost story. Oof. But I think it's hard here to do anything because it's based on a historical event, and, you know, the, the supernatural element surrounding the concentration camp is just a very classic... Uh, you know, someone does a bad thing and they get their comeuppance. Yeah, yeah, you could have the revenge of the sadistic villain. You know, that's in a lot of films. That was in a yeah. James Bond film where they had a, I forget which one, it was Skyfall. That guy kind of tortures a lot of people and enjoys it. I right. mean, they kill the one love interest like like that, and then um, he kind of gets his revenge, like his uh, rightful... It's time for... Bios and Trivia. This was written by Rod Serling, clearly. Sterling? It was directed by Don Midnight Medford. What other two episodes did Don Midnight Medford do that we've seen already? Did he get Passage for Trumpet? Passage for Trumpet is one. And last week's episode. And last week's episode. So he has now done. He does good episodes. He has three for three. So he's. Where's the. I. He. I. I think his directorial <laughs> skill is good. He is three for three. So, so far, Mr. Medford, I know you're dead, so you can't hear us, but congrats. Uh, you're three for three so far. Let's see, he's got two more episodes. Um, one is a season four, so we'll see how we feel about that. And the oh. other is a, um, what about Cuba? So, what about Cuba? What about Cuba? Cuba. Uh, yeah, so three for three. Joseph Schlendercrat as Beaker. He has passed away. He was Otto Becker, Frank. Not Becker. Beaker. He was Otto Frank in the play version of Diary of Anne Frank. Do you say he won an Oscar? He won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actress, actress in the Life of Emile Zola. Actress? Actor. Oh. In 1932. Wow, that's a lot of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's also in an episode called The Trade-Ins, which is one of my favorites. Uh, it's basically this old couple's like, we don't want to be old anymore. So they sign up for a deal where they trade in their bodies for new, young, and fit bodies. Really cool, really cool episode. And then Oscar Benji Jr. as Gunter Lutz. This is second of three Twilight Zones we see him in. We also saw him in Mute all those, Unfortunately. All those months ago. He played the was German guy that picked up... No, I think he was the he was the German, the German guy that man. came and was like, "We're willing to adopt your daughter now because she's got mute powers." This is yeah. The next, the other one we'll see him in is uh, the Rip Van Winkle Caper, which Rip. is a good episode. Rip. Pretty sure that's gonna be fun. 
Moving on to trivia from IMDb, both actors lost the majority of family in the Holocaust, so this was a very emotional episode for both of them to participate in. Even the guy playing the Nazi. Yes. Wow, that must have been difficult. They both were Jewish. That must have been super, like very difficult. They both actually came from a from Yiddish Yiddish historical fam acting family. Dachau. Now, according to this IMDb article, they said Dachau was an extermination camp which was used solely for the disposal of Jews. That was not correct. But I don't think that's true. That's not that's correct. Not yeah, it, was a, it was a war camp. It was a yeah. war camp. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, there was no Stars of David's uh, because the U.S. hated the Jews at the time. They were very anti-Semitic. Mm-hmm. So Rod did not make them wear Stars of David's. So I don't know what that would have changed, but I guess people mm-hmm. would have been less offended. Although, he still got a lovely little letter this comes from uh, Unlocking the Door to a Television Classic, which I'll reference more. But he still got a lovely little letter from a lady calling him a communist for caring about the Jews Ooh. and their rights. Wow, the 1960s. The Nazi in this episode was based off Joseph Mengel, arguably one of the most awful human beings ever to live. Is he the one that did the experiments yes, on the twins he was. that escaped to Brazil? Yep. Uh, well, they, they, he actually mentions that he did escape from... In Brazil, yeah. Ah, the Times in South America okay. or something like yeah. that. From the Twilight Zone Companion, written by Mark Scott Zickery, Volume 2, Electric Boogaloo. Uh, <laughs> they used a set from a Western, actually. A Western TV show was... I think you can you can tell. It, yeah, you can infer. Yeah, it, it looks kind of like that. And from Unlocking a Door to Television Classic, uh, the title is from Bridestead Revisited, which is a novel about... Um, a gay guy, I think, in the late 1850s, who's tr- trying to not marry this girl. Just an interesting play on a literary kind of thing. For sure. And, uh, yeah, this was inspired from the trial of Otto Eichmann, a Nazi. Obviously. Okay. On to ratings. This has, this is the 29th most pop best Twilight Zone, wow. with a rating of an 8.3 out of 10 on IMDb. Um, I gave it a four. I was not a fan. I thought it was really preachy, very, very uh, schlocky, (laughs) and um, the acting was great. I really enjoyed the effects, but other than that, I just was very disappointed. I don't know what I wanted out of it. I don't know if it changes because I'm Jewish. I might be a little biased because of that. I don't know. All I know is I really did not like this episode. And I think, in my opinion, a four is kind of generous. <laughs> Me and Corey are both going to spite you. I hope you're ready. <laughs> Corey, why don't you go next since you're right next to me? That was an eight and a half. Four shizzle. It was really, like... Like, I don't get, like, shook by things. And that really shook me. Just, like, the, like... He was looking at the pole, and then, like, it showed people hanging by the pole. Like, that was crazy. And I thought it was just... I don't know. It was really cool. Really, really, really cool episode. Connor? I will give it a 9 out of 10. Like, it was... <laughs> I hope you didn't do that for me. No, no, that's how I felt. Okay, good. No, <laughs> no it, was, uh, it, was, it was really heavy, which was good in this case. And, like, it, it, just, it just resonated with how awful the Nazis were. And, like, they, they did a good job of portraying that, I think. And I was just like, whoa, that was that was really good. Whoa. Jamie? Um, I'm gonna also genuinely give it a nine out of ten. I think there were a lot of like subtleties that really worked well. Like, um 
how the guy got like locked in the camp and it was kind of like he can't escape from his past and like what he's done so I think that was really clever and just like the monologues and the acting I think they handled really well and finally Ashley since Tabitha's not with us I'm gonna give it a 10 out of 10 (laughs) (laughs) I uh this is one of my favorite episodes um I think that it's extremely powerful and I think that the monologues are fantastic I, I really like uh, the way in which Rod handles this situation, and he, I, I think looking at it as a historical perspective, this would have been a very hard topic to hold, like to do as well as put it on national television. This wasn't a movie where he could, you know, pull a little bit more with some of his restrictions that he would have been facing. And I think that the acting was great. I think the effects were great. I, I just don't really have any issue with it. And this is one of the few. Um, Twilight Zone episodes that actually genuinely uh, gave me goosebumps and kind of creeped me out. I, I picked these episodes well ahead of time. Uh, Ashley and I are actually about to pick one oh, after this. No, I, we picked one last night. Oh. But, uh, so I decided after what may be the most <laughs> difficult episode of the Twilight Zone, we should watch one of the stupidest. Yeah. <laughs> are you guys familiar with the movie The Room? Yes! yes. This, I like to think this is the precursor to The Room. Oh, yes! It is one of the worst things I've ever seen. Oh, it no. is the best things I've ever oh, seen. No. Usually so I don't excited. like to tell you guys what I think of an episode beforehand, but this is truly one of the worst in a good way. The best. So I'm one curious to see what you all will think. Jamie's gonna love it, Corey's gonna love it, Connor's gonna love it. Ashley love is it. exempt because she has seen it. It's fantastic. Um, <laughs> so I have a one in two chance. Connor. Oh, three. not including Corey. Oh. <laughs> Tabitha's exempt. She's no, I was, actually, I was actually not including Jamie. Jamie's really good at Jamie, this. Yeah, yeah. Jamie, yeah. Why the shit? I almost got it last week. No, that was memes. You uh, just memes. used more words. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Connor's our reigning champion, which means he goes Two-time last. Two-time defending champion. Here is the... Here is the... Uh, here is the. What am I thinking of? They're opening their ring. Yeah. Okay. Three strangers arrive in a small town. What's Three the men. Black uh, leather jackets. jackets. Three men in black leather jackets in an empty rented house. <laughs> we'll call them Steve, Scott, and Fred. <laughs> but their names are not important. Their mission as three men on motorcycles lead us in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> this episode is so good. You boys think you know what it's about, but it is not. It is oh, truly. It I is, think I know. It is truly a special episode, and I'm so excited to, like, because we're going to get into, you know, we just we just watched an episode about very sad things. We're going to get into some happy stuff. This is happy all memes. All memes. So, Corey or Jamie, you guys go first. Jamie, yeah. do you have an idea? Okay, um, picture it. San Francisco. The early 2000s. <laughs> is this Full House? No. No, this no, is The Room. The room. <laughs> That's all I have. The Room. <laughs> Three men in leather jackets are actually suits, and they're commenting on their friend's she- beard being shaved. That's the twist. <laughs> they play football, too. Yeah. <laughs> they do. Right? Oh, wait, really? I think they actually do. I think, they do play I think there's a scene where they play football. Or they play some sort of sport. I'm, I'm not processing this. this <laughs> My all-time all. favorite Sorry. quote is in this film. Time? Nah, I'm in there. Or what? What have you got? Okay. So, 
I'm gonna do one of the more racy gimmicks that has been done. <laughs> sure. So we have three men on motorized vehicles, you say? <laughs> so this episode is about the Mexicals. <laughs> no! A group no. of three Hispanic men who rode out on lawnmowers. So I believe <laughs> we are watching the Great American Bash 2005. Are you telling me this wasn't In which the Mexicans. They had their pay per view debut. Won and they, the tag belts. They, they, they lost? De- they defeated the Blue World Order. Oh, the Blue World Order. Correct. And then our reigning champion comes. Could you read this narration? I'm pretty sure you just got it. You might as well not even try. I, I have no idea. You, you gotta take guess. A guess. Are you forfeiting? I am, I'm tapping out. Ah! Forfeiting? Wow. Corey! You are the winner! With a double chicken. I guess, yeah. Yeah, he's the closest. Oh my god. Yeah. Three people ride in, cause a lot of mayhem, and do some bad stuff and ride out. And then get fired after six months. Oh my god, yeah! Yeah, oh yeah. History. Corey Arnold has just become our champion. I let it let it be known that that not a single idea was formulating in my head about what could be going on. In Silence. Well, we'll see. We can watch it soon. I promise. We watch it like right after this. Uh, no, it's a little hard to get through. Yeah. <laughs> we should watch it when we're nice and relaxed and ready for memes. Yeah, because it, it's it's yeah. So, I think that'll do it for today's episode. I was going to do a question of the week, but last week, we didn't really have a great question. I didn't like it, so I kept it out of the podcast. And this week, I couldn't really come up with anything <laughs> funny or respectful. Oh, I thought of something really bad. And so, I decided that I think we're going to skip question of the week, and we'll bring it back can, next week. Can so, <laughs> who can relate? We'll, we'll see you next time on The Rod Squad.